Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, alongside d as we look back to K-State's 64-49 loss at the hands of the Kansas Jayhawks and preview Saturday's contest at home against the Baylor Bears. K-State got off to a good start against uh, KU, getting out to a 5-0 lead uh, right as the uh, under-16 timeout in the first half uh, came out and then even extended it out to 10-3. But uh, KU uh, went on about an 8-0 run to take the lead and, and never really looked back. I want to bring in Delu here. Uh, Delu, let's let's talk about this KU game as we as we start off here on the short side option this week. It was a game that we both went into feeling pretty confident about K State's chances, and after the first, you know, half of the first half, we felt you know like we're in pretty good shape. But it, it got turned pretty quick for for K State, and uh, K State had one of the worst uh, offensive games of the season, really. Uh, up to date in, in a season that's had the Tulsa game, um, the Texas A&M game, and the uh, the Texas game, just to name a few, that really were anemic offensive performances. Uh, K-State turns in another uh, really poor performance on the road in Allen Fieldhouse against KU. Uh, disappointing to see for sure. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, we were coming in riding high on that, on the prospect of the KU game just because, uh, mostly because of our senior leadership and because we just steamrolled Oklahoma State and we'd been on a, a bit of a roll uh, over the last couple weeks, even really since the Iowa State game. But, uh, you know, when Barry and Dean combined for 12 points, especially Barry getting only four points, uh, one of eight from the field, that's a, a recipe for disaster for K-State, a team that... Uh, has shown that it can struggle offensively and did just that on on uh, Monday night. Yeah, definitely frustrating when you see uh, Brown and, and Wade only combined for 12 points. It, this, it was It's frustrating to see that uh, when you've got that senior leadership, of course, as we mentioned, but just not a good game, and you got to give credit a lot to KU. Uh, I think Wade, I think it's easy to see um, – just as he was moving around out there, not close to 100% really, probably, if we're going to be honest, closer to 70 75%. But KU did a great job uh, really guarding him well, uh, I thought. Also, same with uh, Barry Brown. Uh, like we mentioned, one of eight for four points. That um, that's not going to get it done against not only KU, but really against anyone in this conference. And when you look at the guy that was really uh, doing it to him, it was Devon Dotson really getting in underneath him and really won that matchup. And, and when KU wins that matchup of, of really shutting down Barry Brown with uh, Devon Dotson, you have to like their chances at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And what's what was even more shocking, I guess, uh, is that K-State shot 38% from three on Monday. And so, you know, if you're telling me prior to that game that K-State's going to be hovering right around 40% from beyond the arc, I'm feeling pretty good about our chances. But KU just completely locked down the paint. uh, Yeah, that's where it was dominated. Really, really on the back of Lightfoot there. On on several possessions, it seemed like he had... uh, multiple blocks um 
particularly one possession where our bell cow just uh, eventually opted to uh, not take it up and let's try something else. But KU, uh, in a game where they really didn't even go to zone that I recall. No, no, just straight man. They they did a lot of switching, which they had not done as much, but they switched one through five, and, and that really gave K-State a lot of fits. Yeah, and so K-State just could not get inside or find any success inside at least, and K- KU just absolutely locked down uh, everything inside the three-point line, and in a night where Dean Wade is not healthy uh, for a guy who uh, – you know, gets makes most of his hay, uh, taking Dirk Nowitzki esque shots where he's not really a banger in the paint anyway. Uh, K State just was helpless. Drew, you know I'm a huge numbers guy. You know that, right? Uh, you talk about numbers almost every morning, every, every waking moment of almost every day. every afternoon and every evening. Yeah. Well, do you have any guess on what K State shot? Against KU, not necessarily not from two point range, which we've which we've covered, but from or not from three point range rather, but what they shot uh, from the field from two point range. Uh, well, I would guess it would be worse than they shot from three point range. That's a that's a correct I, statement. I mean, maybe twenty five percent. Very close, twenty seven point eight percent. Yeah, yeah. From from two point land, which this is actually one of the better. Uh, two-point shooting teams in the conference. And, and actually, you know, when you look at uh, what case – I mean, I shouldn't say one of the better two-point shooting teams in the conference necessarily, but they, they're they not at that – they're not a 27% shooting team. I mean, they're, they're about middle of the road when you look at everything, but especially in a game like where you have guys that can really cook in that mid-range like Barry Brown and uh, Dean Wade, for them not to, to – Gets like not even get good looks in in those areas. You have to give a lot of credit uh, to KU's defense there. Um, one thing I want to get into too with a big thing uh, that I thought was really uh, a big part of this game for KU was uh, contributions from the bench. Uh, they get they get six points uh, from Marcus Garrett, nine boy nine points from Mitch Lightfoot. Uh, uh, Dieter Glosson had 18 points and 14 rebounds, but he did it on six of 20 from the field. So not a real efficient, uh, not a real efficient 18 points. But if you ask me, the MVP of this game for KU was Mitch Lightfoot. Absolutely, which is so frustrating because it's Mitch Lightfoot. And he's just—I don't think—and I, I had don't have the numbers in front of me, which is a rarity. And I do apologize. I don't know if he scored actually nine points. He had nine points against K State. Uh, I don't know if he had scored nine points any time in his entire career at KU. And I'm not just talking KU, but I'm talking high school, elementary school, YMCA basketball. I don't know if he's ever scored nine points in a game. Yeah, well, it's certainly a uh, a season high for him. Uh, and we said just last, you know, earlier this week on on the on the podcast that it would take, uh, you know, someone to have an out of body experience uh, to have any chance to be K State, and they got that. And that's right. Well, that's just evidenced uh, 
you know, that's just K K State's KU Super Bowl, and, and so they it, they go all out. It's so tough, you know, being that team. I know KU doesn't have to deal with it this season, but when you're the premier team in the league, you get everyone's best shot. You have the target on your back, yeah. and opposing arenas just go bananas. Yeah, and we saw that on uh, on Monday. Fans were doing pretty despicable things. Do you want to get into that? I don't know. There's all that much to get into. No, there is. There is. I know that uh, it's been kind of the story of the game, actually. That's kind of the biggest story that comes from this game. Yeah, really. I guess it's the story. Um, do, you, do you want to catch our listeners up maybe yeah, if, they're, if they're so unaware? Yeah, in the, in the second half when K-State's getting the doors blown off them, uh, Sneed makes a run at a loose ball that eventually goes out of bounds to KU. And... He, uh, it's not the media side over there. It's kind of the far side from the camera angle. So it's fans right up, right up on the on the court. Yeah, and kind of crashes into the board, knocks some box scores around, and one of the a couple of the box scores fall onto the court. And X, being you know just a consummate gentleman, picks them up and returns them to their uh, to the fans that possessed them. And as he's walking away. You can see local uh, sports radio man, Nate Bucati, uh really f- just being kind of an obnoxious jerk and flapping the, the box score right in X's, fa- in X's face, I say, but I don't know if Snead even saw him. But just being a piece of trash and obnoxious. Being a downgrade to society? Would yeah, exactly. That, would you say that would be a fair... Yeah, I guess so, but I mean, my view of it is... Yeah, it was a really trashy thing for an adult man to do. On the other hand, it's Nate Bucati. He tells sex jokes on the air every morning for laughs, and it's it's not like he's some journalistic institution. Like you know, like it's not like D. Scott Fritchin was down there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because a man of D. Scott Fritchin's integrity would never do something like that. Yeah, and his stature. He's got too much notoriety and his reputations. I mean, when you're the best long-form feature writer in, in history. Yeah, in, in the history of time, that's... I mean, you're not doing things like that. Right, and so it was... I didn't... I, full disclosure, I didn't recognize him at first. I, I did recognize him, but I... So I thought when I saw it live on TV, I was like, okay... I mean, because maybe you Kind of looks like just a normal dude. I mean, he just—he's not real. Bi- he's not big at all. He's kind of got—he just kind of looks like an average Joe. Yeah. But I—I've seen him, you know, enough on TV when he does his things on MLB Network, and just you know, I know what he looks like. I was like, ah, man, that looked a lot like him. And you know, he's sitting down. He's a big KU fan. He's sitting down low, so you're like, okay, well, you know what? Maybe that would be him. And no more than it took to go. Uh, to uh, this website called Twitter.com, mm. I was able to see, oh, yeah, that that, that sure as heck was him. Yeah, so. well, I just thought, well, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> yeah, well. And then, and then once I should... logged on to Twitter.com, oh, it you was have, like. You have a Twitter.com thing? Yeah, oh, I do. Okay. And once I logged on there and saw that, I I, I said, oh, my gosh, <laughs> that was that jerk was Nate Bucati. And then the meme started flowing, and it was great fun, and it was a. It was a great target for K-State fans to vent their frustration on because he was really just a perfect heel. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk aside here. 
I really enjoyed that aspect of it because you get on you get them on there and like these K fans of course they always say, oh this isn't a rivalry we don't even we don't even consider K State a rival and then you see them do that and which is fine I, I mean all people have you know maybe lost control of something except for you know certain iconic people but um, other icons have been escorted out of stadiums yeah I mean it happens. <laughs> You know, but that was in the I was in the right there. I wasn't naming names. Yeah, I, I'm well. I'm gonna just give the little spoiler there. But uh, anyway, that's a different story for a different time. Um, well, what will? But what I guess the overall point is, is he? You know, he's not doing that if K if KU is playing Baylor or playing Iowa State. Of course not. And because that, because it's the biggest game on KU schedule every year. Well, it, you're right. It it dispels the fiction. That uh, KU fans, you know, set forth that, oh, this isn't a rivalry. Oh, they're just a little brother, blah, blah, blah. Man, they want to beat us, too. And it's, they view us as something other than Iowa State or Oklahoma State or OU or Texas. That that they take the Sunflower Showdown seriously. Yeah. And uh, they're still looking up at K-State in the standings. Uh, yeah, they're still kissing our butt. Yeah, they have... They've got uh, a one-game uh, difference between them and the leaders, K-State and Iowa State, uh, both a game ahead of KU as we, after last night, uh, after Texas Tech had to uh, escape a, an upset bid by Oklahoma State. We have three games left. K-State and Texas Tech are a game clear of KU. Before we get into the Baylor game, I'm just going to ask you real quick, and I, I because we're going to get into this a little bit later. But I want to ask you now, as a as a tease for this, is the Big Twelve title being shared this year? I think, yeah, I think that's probably the smartest. I think that's smart money here. Okay. Um, I want to ask you to do, divulge who it, who's going to be sharing it. Yeah, I yeah, but that's my that's my okay. Can, are you going to tease us with your answer? We're going to tease it by not answering. Oh, double tease. That's uh, what we call really stringing it out here. A tease by absence of tease. Yes, exactly. So let's go ahead and get into Baylor. What do we think? This was a, and we'll just kind of recap here 64 uh, to 49. K State gets outscored by seven points in the first half, eight points in the second half. There were a couple times where K-State was kind of getting back into things in the second half, cutting it down to 8 or 10. But it just never, they, at any time that they did, kind of crawl back into where you think, okay, well, nice little run here would, would go a long way. KU comes back with an answer. And, and they were the better team on Monday, and there, there's really no no uh, debating that. Yeah, suffice to say, this KU wasn't threatened uh, from about, Ten minutes in the first half on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the final score is pretty representative of, of how this game went, that they were about 15 points better than us throughout. Yep. So K-State, their last lead in that ga- in the game came when it was uh, when it was 15 to 13. Then KU goes on a little 5-0 run real quick, or actually a 7-0, <clears throat> excuse me, 7-0 run to take a 20-15 to lead, which they 
never relinquished uh, throughout the rest of the game. So that'll put a wrap on it here for the Sunflower Showdown Part 2. I think it would be uh, probably more likely than not that we see a Part 3 somewhere down the line. Uh, Certainly possible. Certainly possible. uh, Just with the Big 12 tournament here two weeks away, that'd be great. uh, Be a great... uh, showcase for uh, for the rubber match there yeah especially if uh jod is back because he had himself a game in the first edition and his absence resulted in uh a lot of minutes to guys that probably shouldn't have been getting that many minutes but uh we'll see okay well let's move on to baylor this game against baylor is a saturday seven o'clock tip off on espn2 it's a baylor team that in a night last night that, I guess the Baylor-Texas game was, I think Baylor was a four-point favorite uh, going into that game against the Longhorns at home uh, in Waco. But that was one of the games of the season in the Big 12. I think you have to, you have to say in terms of a, of a huge comeback by Baylor as they, as they uh, outlast Texas 84-83 to in overtime, coming back from a 19-point uh, second half deficit with it looks like the, uh, you got it pulled up there 15 minutes left to go in the second half come back from 19 points and you got to give your hat you got to tip your hat to Baylor uh, a team that never quit fighting and was able to uh, really steal one against Texas yeah and uh, you know there are worst uh, games that you'd like to see out of Baylor prior to playing K-State especially on a, a Wednesday contest in the Big 12 uh, so quick turnaround for the Bears, but uh, and especially when they have uh, overtime on that Wednesday game, that uh, five extra minutes there. And there's the there's the um, the I guess kind of the added grind of when you do have to make that comeback. There's a lot because how often do you see it, a team that you know when they do come back from 19 to even cut it back to four or five. And then they just don't have enough to get it really back over the hump to you know regain the lead or tie it, but Baylor did that. And the Baylor had their chances to win it in, in regulation as far as that goes, but really just an incredible comeback for Baylor. This is a team that is definitely dangerous. So uh, has gone on the road and um, and won at Iowa State recently, uh, but when they come into Manhattan, uh, it, it'll be a huge game. Uh, for K-State, of course, to, to keep pace at the top of the Big 12. But, you know, Baylor's not out of this thing either. Uh, they're only just a game behind as well. They're they're sitting there tied with KU uh, for second, in a tie for second. So right now you have to look at Baylor as probably the least likely of the four teams between uh, Kansas State's I think Iowa. You can disqualify Iowa State. Yeah, at this they're point. they're out. But with Kansas State, Texas Tech, KU, and Baylor, you have to look at K- Baylor as the longest shot to to really have a chance at grabbing a share of this conference title. Just because they have to go to Manhattan, they also have to go uh, to Lawrence to take on KU. So the roads for them in terms of their remaining schedule is probably. I don't think it's probably. It's without doubt the toughest. So. I guess when you look at Baylor, uh, it's a team that is going to be coming into Manhattan with some uh, some momentum off the heels of that, that victory against Texas. Yeah, and there's two sides of that coin, though. I mean, sure, Baylor has a lot to play for, but you know, had they lost 
uh, last night, then that's a team that's got no pressure on him. I mean, and so the pressure is still very much on Baylor, um, and they're going to be coming into uh, Manhattan with a lot to play for, so it'll be interesting to see how the Bears react to that. But uh, as you were saying earlier, yeah, they're a, they're a tricky team, especially for K-State, a team that uh, plays a lot of zone, exclusively zone, really. And uh, they were up seven points with under ten minutes in the in the second half uh, the, during the first uh, bout a couple mm-hmm. weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, big so. case they run. Uh, I think they went on a, a 14-2, 14-0 run uh, to to get back out there. Or they went on a bigger run. I, I, can't, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but a big run to, to really – to steal a game that looked like a like it was going to be a certain loss uh, for K State, but Drew, I'm going to ask you real quick: How do you see this game coming in? There's of course some concern around K State right now uh, with kind of the uh, the injury on the injury front with Dean Wade and Kamal Stokes. Uh, both guys haven't been practicing now for a, a week or two, but they're continuing to go out there and play. Uh, this is a Baylor team that, like like we've said, is dangerous. Do, do you see this as being a, a, a tricky game for K-State here? Yeah, I do. Uh, it's definitely not one, you know, I've, I've been the first to say there are games that K-State can go out and throw, their, throw the ball out on the court and just waltz away. But uh, I don't think this Baylor game is one of them. Um, especially... Now that Baylor's a little healthier, K-State's a little less healthy. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. In the game against uh, Baylor in part one of this uh, of this series, Baylor had no Makai Mason and no King McClure uh, out there, two guys that start for him. So they were playing with a little bit shorthanded deck, uh, but nonetheless, K-State was able to, uh, to come out on top. So uh, Mason's back. Uh, I believe King McClure... Uh, is is getting back. Uh, he had not, he did not play uh, in, in five straight games. He did play last night against Texas. Only did play seven minutes. So he's he's getting back. Uh, I think you'd maybe count on kind of the same type of load for him uh, on Saturday as well. Well, that's right. And and uh, so Baylor's uh, adding at least one of their guys back. K State will be without. Jada most likely, yeah. I would assume. Yeah, and assume that's so. a guy that put up 10 points and got almost 30 minutes of... And uh, had some just huge baskets. Of course, there's the 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 save outlet to Barry Brown that uh, Brown finishes for for kind of an exclamation point on that game, as well as... But he also you know hit a couple big threes in that game, too, that uh, really did... Uh, that were really needed. I think one of them, K-State was down seven or eight, Late in the shot clock, steps up and drills one that really served as a catalyst for for the start of that big run. That's right. And so, you know, I don't put it this way. If Wade and Brown combine for 12 points again, Baylor's going to walk all over K-State. I mean, mm-hmm. I will say Cam had a great game uh, in, the first, uh, in the first game against Baylor, putting up 20 points uh, against the Bears. And so that kind of production out of him on Saturday would go a long way. But uh, to answer your original question, yeah, I think this is a very tricky game for K-State. Well, uh, Drew, are you ready to make a prediction on this one? 
Yeah, I am. I am. Um, and as I sit here and look at this, I think I don't like this game for K-State. <laughs> this is a bad game. Uh, just because it's a team that plays zone and plays it well. Um, you know, obviously under Scott Drew. And it's a K-State team that is uh, very injured. And so you wonder if Wade's going to be more effective than he was against KU. You wonder if uh, Stokes is going to have the same effectiveness. I, I think I like the Bears in this one. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 66 to 61, Baylor. Wow. Yeah. So that's a a game that you probably did not count on K-State losing when you looked back about two weeks ago. Probably. I wouldn't have counted on K-State losing this game on Sunday. Mm. Um, but seeing just how much Wade was struggling and how little production he brought, it's that's a problem. Sure. And uh, I don't know if K-State can rely solely on its guards uh, this game, especially with Jada out, uh, to be able to get in there and have success against that zone. I think those are all very well well taken points there, Drew. I think that's, that's a really good job out of you. Thank right you. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but on the, paper, this game is a... The bearer of yeah, badness. That's right. Like a pallbearer. Yeah. Well, Wildcat fans, I'm going to cheer you up here a little bit. I think K-State wins this one. But I do think it is not going to be a walk in the park by any stretch. I think it's going to be a tightly contested game for 40-plus minutes. I think we might have overtime. Free basketball. At... Uh, the octagon of doom as uh, K-State is going to be in a, in a dogfight here. I think this is one of, if you ask me, when you look at the remainder of K-State's schedule, uh, with Baylor at home, TCU on the road on Monday, and then closing out against Oklahoma, I think this is far and away the most difficult game. I don't think, I don't, I know actually if you look um, on Ken Palm, we're actually a, uh, a slight one-point dog on the road in Fort Worth against the Frogs. But to me, I think that this game with Baylor is essentially a coin flip. And I think that Barry Brown is going to redeem himself and uh, really carry K-State here uh, down the stretch uh, in this game. And I think he just makes just enough plays behind the home crowd uh, to get K-State a 72-70 to 70 victory in overtime. Wow. I like, I like the idea of predicting overtime <laughs> and basing your final score on that prediction. Hey. Folks, take the over. That's, uh, that's this game's, You're getting 45 minutes in this one. That's the, that's the kind of analysis you get here on the short side option, folks. Uh, we're calling, I'm calling for overtime. I like it. I like it. Well, that, that does cheer me up a little bit. Okay, I'm glad. You... I'm sticking I, with my I, prediction, but yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, you know, you are your own man here. You have your own independent prediction, mm-hmm. and I admire you to sticking with it, not in being easily swayed. Um, but I hope I'm right. I hope you're wrong. I sure. I hope you're right too. But I think we both see this game very similarly. That it, it is going to be 
a, a tough matchup for K-State. I think K-State has shot the ball outside of the Iowa State game pretty darn well at home lately. And I, I see this team really – I do see the zones that Baylor plays giving them some issues. But what it comes down to at the end of the day, the home crowd, Barry Brown, I'm, get, I'm, take, I'm taking the Cats uh, just to make just enough plays uh, in order to win this game. So that'll do it here for the Baylor preview portion. Drew, is there anything you'd like to add? None. Nothing. Okay. Well, that'll do it here for the KU review and Baylor preview portion of the short side option. We'll be back after a short break to highlight another Wildcat legend and answer your questions and ask the icon. Join us after the break. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, where we are getting into a segment we call This Week's Wildcat Legend. <clears throat> and Icon, this week's Wildcat Legend uh, hails from Los Angeles, California. And he's a guy who can just jump right out of an arena. He'll, he'll jump. When he jumps, he'll just jump right up to the ceiling and push his way through, and he'll ascend into the heavens, and eventually he'll return back to Earth. Okay. Uh I'm speaking, of course, of Onyebuchi Awaji, otherwise known as Buchi Awaji. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, gotta love Booch. Gotta love the Booch, man. Uh, Buchi Awaji's great. He was a uh, solid player for K-State in 2008, 2009, uh, which was, of course, uh, Frank Martin's inaugural. Or, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. It would have been his second season at K-State. Okay. And... Just provided an absolute spark off the bench. Uh, averaged four points per game, uh, two rebounds, and could really set it on fire from three. Shot 42, a little over 42% from three-point range. Uh, we all know this. We all know that about Pucci. Mm-hmm. But what we might not know is that uh, he played college basketball prior to coming to K-State. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. He, he, Do tell. He went to Florida International uh, where he redshirted, uh, which, you know, good tutelage for him. Uh, mm-hmm. Then took the JUCO route to Citrus. Can, can, I, can I stop you real quick? Of course. Florida International. You know who else? Cut their teeth oh, there? Oh, you know, I do, actually. It was Freddie Esprit, right? That's right. <laughs> we'll get to him on a future episode. Oh, you bet your bottom dollar we will. Uh... But I wonder if... Would they have ever crossed paths there? No. Probably not. But Espria was... That was Espria came over to, to uh, the Little Apple, as folks call it. Um, I don't. You don't? Eh, no. You know, they, they wouldn't have crossed paths, but maybe as, like, when Freddie was visiting as a recruit. Oh, that's right. They could have so, had yeah. that, uh, you know, as he maybe... Maybe uh, Bucci hosted him. Could be. Well, maybe get him on the program sometime. Yeah. Uh, but after his redshirt season at Florida International, uh, took his talents, uh, a short drive over to Citrus College. In, or not a short drive over. I was thinking short drive just by the name of it. Citrus College, actually located in California. Oh, okay. <laughs> How about that? How about that? Uh, 
and then, as I mentioned, had a remarkable season at K-State. He eventually would transfer to the University of Southern Miss, uh, where he continued his um, really transcendent uh, career. Averaged 5.3 points a game there, uh, and two and a half rebounds per game. Uh, took a slight dip in three-point percentage down to 37, but still respectable. But, man, when I think when I say Bucci Awaji, what do you associate that with? Well, there's one play in particular. Yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about. This is the one that cements him as a Wildcat legend. And that is this block against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Wow. When people people like to throw around the word bouncy, I don't. I reserve that title for guys like Bucciawaji. Oh yeah, guys Absolutely. that are just. It, it seems as though they're just playing the game on a trampoline. They're playing uh, <laughs> what's what's the sport that you see? Slam ball. Slam ball. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's all, the term that um, often gets thrown around about you know high flyers is they play above the rim. Bucci was at another level. He was playing above the square. Yeah, he was living in zero gravity. He was living in a rarefied air. Yeah, and that rarefied air, his proclivity for living there, you know what that makes him? It makes him this week's Wildcat legend. Now, Icon, let's get into our final segment of the show. A segment... Named after you. Mm-hmm. Segment called Ask the Icon. Listeners can submit their questions to the Short Side Options' very own Chris the Icon Sork by submitting them to the Short Side Options Twitter account at TSSO underscore podcast or by using the hashtag Ask the Icon or um, several other ways. If you want, you can uh, come into my office and pass me a note. But don't let the teacher see well, she'll read it in front of the in front of the whole office there. And 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 Dilu, we had last week our our first question was submitted via Carrier Pigeon mm-hmm. uh, from that's right from Big Dog in Madison. And this week we had a first um, on the uh, the short side option, in particularly the Ask the Icon segment, where uh, Dilu, I was out running some errands. I was physically accosted by somebody that was demanding an answer to a question. Who was this? Who was this? Oh, I don't know. He was just some gentleman that that came up and he punched me right in the mouth. I said, "Whoa, what was that for?" He's like, "Hey, I have a question for you." I said, "Okay, well, what is it?" He's like, "Tell me how the Big Twelve Conference uh, regular season title is going to end out." Okay, you know what I told him? Please. I said K-State. It's going to be your sole outright winner in the Big 12 Conference this regular season. Because, Drew, they're not going to lose a game the rest of the season. Wow. The rest of the regular season. Was this Gavin? <laughs> no, it wasn't Gavin. I wish it was Gavin. <laughs> what I would give to have Gavin just sock me right in the, right in the, right in the kisser. Gavin, of course, of uh, USC 2002 fame. Mm-hmm. As the man who uh, spoke with Bill Snyder the night before the game, mm-hmm. Bill said, "Gavin, I think we got a great chance." And and Bill prophetic was right. words no. from Coach Snyder uh, is 
Gavin might be <laughs> Gavin might be an icon. <laughs> He's knocking on the door for sure. No question on, uh, about that. Of course, that was on a TBS Big Play Saturday's uh, soapbox segment, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Miss Big Play Saturday. Absolutely. Well, that assailant. Um, I was wondering why your jaw had been wired yeah. shut for most mm-hmm. of the week. Yeah, we just got the uh, the apparatus off. Uh, just in time for the podcast. So well, that's 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 really fortunate. It's great to be able to speak again. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Good job by the doctors there. Well, we'll get into uh, the more traditional, more traditionally. This is the be- This is my preferred method. Actually, carrier pigeon is my preferred method. Yeah, but you know, I mean, getting punched in the face, breaking your jaw, not as bad as you think. Really. Well, number five, man. Hey, be tough, baby. I was practicing that one all this week. That's right. Uh, our first question comes from listener Nick Ward at nlelandw on Twitter. Nick asks, "Can we please give Bruce a raise and lock him up long term?" I think that sounds good, Willie. I'd, I'd love, I'd love to see that. Um, now, I, I believe I had seen this question. He did not have a um, what I think the kids call a hashtag following that tweet. Oh yeah, hashtag Scorpion for life. Scorpion for life, brother. I am all for that. And you know what? I, I'll, I'll go a little bit further here uh, with Nick's question. And I do think Bruce Weber will coach here until he is ready to retire. And uh, he, he, I feel very confident saying that he will retire at K-State. And I think he'll be here for another um, – I'll get say if you set the line at four and a half years – or if you said the line at four and a half, obviously is he going to coach four? Is he going to coach five? I'd probably lean towards the under. Say he coaches four more seasons at K State, but I think he'll be around for another four to six years. I don't get the idea that he's necessarily going to want to coach. Uh, you know, deep into it. I think he's 62, 64 years old right now. I don't think he's going to want to coach. Uh, into his seventies, really. So yeah, I think he'll. I think he'll hang it up before then. Absolutely, we would be we'd be lucky if he coached. No, we'd be, we'd be extremely lucky. Uh, our uh, second question comes again from Nick Ward at Inleyland W from the Lone Star State. Nick asks, following up on the WeFald article this week, can y'all discuss the plus minus of a Big Twelve Pac twelve merger? I see it making a lot of sense for the two conferences that I have a perception of having weak long term foundations. Pac-12 has bad ratings, and the Big 12 only has 10 members. Well, buckaroo, I got some news for you. I think the Big 12 is actually in a lot better shape than people. I think this whole, whole, oh, we're not in a very good position thing is really more due to just a level of paranoia by fans of teams that... uh, we're very nervous about nine years ago. Yeah, and why don't you catch listeners up a little bit about this? Yeah, about yeah, Weefold's well, article. Drew, I'll let you introduce who wrote it because I know you have a certain. Um, oh yeah, it was written by. This was written out uh, by John Wilner, who's, that's right. a, who's that's a right. former dud. Um, not and, not just a former. Yeah, dud, well, but if I remember correctly, he was. He made your list. Yeah, he's top five dud. Top five dud of all time. He's a mega dud. He's a mega dud, and just a joke. 
Um, I don't think he has a... Oh, he does have a basketball AP ballot, but he hasn't found himself on the wrong end of that. I can't remember if he has a basketball AP ballot or not. I think he does. Definitely does for football, which yeah. is where he's... That's where he's... Yeah, that's where he gets my ire. Um, but, yes, yeah, so the article, which uh, I believe was in the uh, San Jose Mercury... That's who he writes for. Uh, ...was kind of a recap of a proposal by former K-State President John Weefald, where current, I believe, I still believe he's the current... Uh, university president at uh, West Virginia, uh, Gordon Gee. You may, uh, he's kind of a noteworthy guy because he, he's had the uh, propensity to stick his, his foot in his mouth. I think he's gotten a little bit of trouble at Ohio State as well as um, West Virginia for, for, you know, a couple of gaffes here and there. But uh, he had asked John Weefald what his recommendations would be on strengthening the Big 12. And I can't remember the, exactly the timeline where he had gone to, uh, to John Weefold and asked him this. But anyway, uh, Weefolds came back with the, um, with the idea of essentially having a non-conference pact with the the Pac-12 to where for the the teams in the Big 12 their entire non-conference schedule would consist of Pac-12 opponents and and vice versa for um the Pac-12 schools. So which is crazy. Yeah. You agree I, with that. Yeah, I I don't like that at all because if anything had, that has taught us through uh the era of the college football playoff is you want to have as few of losses as you can. That's the rule. Yeah. And going out and playing three Power 5 teams, not the best way to do that. It'd make for great television. It would, it would be great from a, a fan standpoint if you were just wanting to really, you know, sink your teeth in and watching the best games each Saturday. Or each Saturday during the month of September. I think it would be cool if the ACC did that with, like, the Big Ten or something. If they had that. Just because that means Power Five, a big slate of Power Five matchups, um, you know, in what is otherwise a pretty dead period, those first three weeks. I mean, there's there, some there's always the marquee games. games but, there's always the marquee games. But it's not usually the wall-to-wall, wall, yeah. you know. You're still going to be stuck with well, they do watching it. 11 a.m. Yeah, so the a- ACC Big Ten does this, does the challenge in, in basketball. Well, and so does... Big 12 and SEC right. and uh, Big East and Big Ten do it now as well as part of the Gavit games. But for football, it's just a different beast. And it's, a, it's just really not comparable to doing it in basketball because in basketball you have to fill a schedule. And... Yeah, I mean, you have to fill a schedule in football, too, but there are a lot more entities where you can do it because a, a, an early season loss in in college basketball, you, know, you lose in November to, you know, a, an Oregon. What, what difference does it make? Really? Right. It doesn't make a huge difference. But if you are a team that's ranked in the top 15, you have to go on the road and play – you know, in uh, in Eugene, let's say, and you come up on the short side of that, makes it pretty darn tough for you to get back in the college football playoff uh, 
college football playoff picture. However, not every team like in the in the Big Twelves states or like let's say let's take for example. We'll take example KU. Their whole thing is they're not they don't have any national title aspirations. Their focus is trying to win some games and get back to a bowl game. Going and playing three Power Five teams, that's not the best way to it's get out there. of the. Well, that's completely out of the question. I think, I you know what I, w- I would be in favor of, maybe an alliance where they each team plays one. Yeah, yeah. Have just a like a. I mean, Iowa State would cry about it because oh, we play Iowa, our precious Cyhawk game. Yeah. And so they whine about their tough schedule yeah. that features two out of conference Power Five opponents, but eh, screw them. I mean, I think it'd be. I'd be all for. Yeah, I have no problem with doing it with one. And now the other thing too is at this point you have these games that have been scheduled. Of course, K State has games scheduled with some teams from Pac-12. They have, I believe, Arizona, um, Colorado, uh, Washington State. Do all... we get a return game from Stanford? Yeah, we have a, we have a return game from Stanford. I believe not, obviously this next season, but the following season, I believe. So. You have these agreements already in place yeah. that it's just too tough to buy out of them, too. So I don't think that part of the proposal is um, is very likely at all. But uh, definitely an interesting article, and one, if you have some time, it's a quick little read, I would uh, encourage you to, to go online and find for yourself. Or better yet, just... Don't copy, give them the clip. copy and paste don't it give, and then don't give, disperse it. Yeah, don't, don't, don't give, give John the clips. Yeah. yeah. John Wilner. Uh, next question comes from listener Easy Stevesy at SL Keck. Uh, Easy Stevesy asks, "Hey Icon, what's the last band T-shirt that you purchased?" Uh, it is an Alan Jackson shirt. Wow, there you go. Ask an answer. Ask an answer, baby. Red Rocks, two thousand and twelve, two thousand thirteen. Wow. Yeah, two thousand. 2012. Oh. 2012. Yeah, okay. I was going to say one or the other. Because, 2012. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Steve's asked a follow-up question. He asks, Icon, what are your top three sports movies of all time? Oh, wow. Top three sports movies of all time. Number one, I'm going to maybe catch a little heat for this, Field of Dreams. Okay. Number two, Major League. And number three, you know the thi- I don't really like any of the any basketball movies. I've already got two um, two baseball movies already in there, so I'm not gonna make it a clean sweep for baseball. We go to number three with Rudy. What do you think of that? I think those are uh, those are great picks. Do you, have, do you have a top three? Nope. You don't you don't watch movies, right? Really. I don't watch movies. I grind on sports stories and watch Temptation Island in my free time. Maybe we can get some questions about Tempty Island. Yeah, uh, we're all we're all for it. Uh, listeners, next, pick up on that. Next question comes from a listener, Chris Hansen at C Hansen eighty eight. Chris asks, "What is better for the program's long run success: a Big Twelve conference title or a deep tournament run?" A uh, deep tournament run, no question. Okay, uh, and I'll, I'll expand on that just just briefly here. Um, with that, I. The, this is really tough for me to say because I really want to win the Big 12 title, mm-hmm. of course. But the Big 12 
in any in not just the Big Twelve conference title, but really any conference title doesn't matter. The regular season conference title does not matter. Now, I'm gonna say that with a caveat. Because if we win the conference title, it breaks the streak. Which there is immeasurable value to for K-State fans that go beyond just a banner that says Conference Champions 2019. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And the now you look at me here, because you're looking at me a little, little wonky at right now. You're saying, Chris, you say a conference title doesn't matter? What is wrong with you? It's an insane position to take. Well, Drew, if it's such an insane position to take, tell me, tell me, tell me, who won the Big East title last year? Mm. Villanova? No. Hmm. Xavier did. Well, are we, are we, is the question what's more important, a national championship or a. Well, I'm not even saying a national championship. Let's say Villanova, let's say they just get to the Final Four. Lead eight to the Final Four. Yeah, I don't think anybody would object that a Final Four is better than a conference title. Yeah, and that would be a deep run into the NCAA tournament, correct? Yeah. No, so, I, I think a more interesting question is Sweet 16. Sweet 16 is is about the cutoff uh, of where I would, um, where I'd have to think about that. But here's the one thing though too about this: Are you asking me an outright conference title or just to share the conference title? Outright conference title. Ooh, that's tough. Outright conference title versus losing in the Sweet 16, but getting there. Oh well, then yeah, I'll take the. I mean, yeah. What about the Elite Eight? It, See, what the thing is, though, Drew, is when you, you give me this, oh, we lose, though. We get to the Elite Eight and lose. Yeah, we do lose. We lose in the Elite Eight. That's as far as K-State goes. If you could trade getting, going to the Elite Eight and losing versus finishing second in the conference championship race to Texas Tech, and if we, and if we win the conference championship, let's say we lose in the round of 32. Hmm. I might have to have it's some. A I might have to have. This might be uh, something we lead off with next week on the short side. Off. It's no question for me. Give me the trophy. Yeah, I know it is. But here's the one thing though, too, is if you would say this and say, "Hey, you are just in the Sweet 16. You don't know who you're playing. It's just a roll of the dice. You don't know who you're playing. You don't know how far you're gonna go. You just are in the Sweet 16. I would take the Sweet 16 over the conference title. There's no. There's no uh, end in sight. It's just you're there. You're dropped there. You're playing. Versus winning the Big 12 and having certainty that you're going to lose early. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and it's just the, the, the carrot at the end. Because you, you, you all have dreams for it. And being as close as K-State was to get into the Final Four last year, that, that's the dream. Yeah, fair point. You don't like it. You don't like it. I don't, you, I don't you're like still it. Looking. Give me the conference. Tr- give me the trophy. You just want, you know, you, it's uh, one in the hand is, is better than two in the bush. Yeah, give me, give me the trophy. Okay. I like Dr. Pepper. Uh, Actually, I believe with basketball, it's Phillips 66. I like, I, I, I like the 23 flavors, man. <laughs> <laughs> Pass them over. Um, next, uh, Hans, Chris has a follow-up question here. This is High Icon, loyal follower here. Two-part question. Can you rank the scholarship players in terms of raw basketball talent? 
Do your rankings affect how you project the program's future? Wow. So you just asked me to rank all 1 through 13 here of the scholarship class? If you want to. Um, Okay, what we'll do, what we'll do here is I'm going to exclude the senior class here because we're we're kind of, this is a forward-looking question, correct? I mean, that's, so of just the raw skill of the, um, the underclassmen, we'll call them. Even we'll call juniors yeah. and underclassmen in this case. I'm going to say the person with the most raw skill is uh, Cartier Jada. How about that? I think that makes sense. And I'm not going to go through each one because I don't want to. Okay. But his question's very good, and this might be something I have to, you know, do a little bit more homework on. And, and maybe we'll send out a nice graphic where things are. Oh, right. yeah. So I think about that's that? a great idea. What do you think about that? I keep your eye on the short side option Twitter account. Uh, well, that's... Another thing in the industry we call it tease. It's yeah. a, at T-S-S-O underscore podcast. That's a plug. But what I will – oh, that's good work out yeah. there. But uh, what I will say, too, is the guy that I am most looking forward to seeing next year is Sean Neal Williams. Think that he does, I think he possesses some really um, outstanding traits in terms of just his vision with the ball. he got some confidence, too. Well, that, that much I'll tell you. He – Came in against KU. First possession, I think he got the ball and he he was down there taking a shot there. So he uh, doesn't like for confidence. He's got some. He's got some game. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. But um, Snead's going to have to take a big step forward too as well to be a dependable 15, 16 point game scorer, which he definitely can. But uh, as for a ranking of of one through 13 of the scholarship players. Keep your eyes peeled on the uh, the Twitter account there for that one. All right. Well, we have that to look forward to. Next question comes from listener David Sabin at Sabination on Twitter. David asks, Hi, Icon. Please tell me about your personal experience with hair dryers. Use a hair dryer, Icon? No. Not yet. What about when you get your hair cut? Do they blow dry it there? Yeah. You like it? Yeah. I kind of do, too. I've been... Not to step on your feet here and get into this, but I've I've been thinking about making a purchase. Is that so? It is, but I'm a little afraid of of what you might say about it. But huh. uh, is this it, where this question came from? Are no. You, are you kind of no. trying to no? You're kind of trying to workshop work this in here to to get. No, a, I didn't tell him to ask that. Okay. But don't be surprised if one of these mornings you hear. Uh, Hey, whatever you gotta do to keep that mane of yours uh, looking looking good. It's getting pretty unwieldy. Uh, <clears throat> Icon, I want to bring our listeners. I want to. We've been having a lot of laughs. Yeah, we have. This has been a lively episode here. We've been really horsing around for most of this episode, but now it's time to get a little bit more civil and intellectual. I'm always ready for that. Because it's time now for a visit. The Philosopher's Corner with Bintren. Bintren on Twitter, at Bintren, asks, <clears throat> quote, If you don't get what you want, you suffer. If you get what you don't want, you suffer. Even when you get exactly what you want, you still suffer because you can't hold on to it forever. End quote. Wow. From Socrates. What do we want? 
who in the Big 12 will suffer the most? Man, another smart question. That is... That's smart. That's high level. Yeah. Adventuring guy, he's... It's a good job by him. Yeah. You know that, don't you? I, it's a great job by him. It's a good, that's a... It's good work from him. That's right so, He always has the smartest question. He does. He does. So and what do you think? Well, what do we want? So, I want to focus... Would you reread the last two lines of that? Of of what do we want the most in, in, in the following line? Well... The, the questions as phrased are, what do we want? And who in the Big 12 will suffer the most? Well, I think part two answers part one. Squawks. I think KU is who is going to hurt the most, and it's who we want to hurt the most. Oh, vindictive. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and what do we want is an outright conference title. And when do we want it? We want it now! Smurf turkeys. Gonna suffer. That's right. But that's a great job there by uh, Ben Trent. Yeah, that's it's good work. For I always me. like visiting Philosopher's Corner. Oh, it's... I like to spend more time there if we could. Put on a tweed coat. Smoke a pipe. Yeah. Have the fireside crackling. That's right. Right next to us. Yeah. Uh, final question this week comes from listener Eric at uh, Aaronic. I always have a hard time with that on Twitter. Uh, Eric asks... After an impressive 34 reps today in Indy, what round do you see Alex Barnes selected in? Well, that's a great question. So I believe I had seen an article um, by out of either the Kansas City or Wichita paper where Alex Barnes is is out there at the Combine in Indianapolis right now and saying he could go anywhere from a third to a seventh round pick. So... Pretty wide range there, of course, given. But um, I think that range is, is the accurate range. I think he'll probably go in about the fifth round, if I was to guess. Um, I saw it, and I can't remember where I saw it at. Uh, so uh, apologies if, if you were the one uh, that I had, had seen it from and you're listening to this. But in terms of an NFL comparison for Alex Barnes, I came across one that made me, made me pause a little bit and uh, really kind of think about it, was a James Conner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, James Conner played his uh, college ball at Pittsburgh as well uh, for the Pitt Panthers. And a great story about how he battled back from cancer, and he was a very uh, productive player for the Steelers this year uh, without Le'Veon Bell in that backfield. So I think that that's an interesting comparison. Really what is going to uh, dictate... Alex Barnes's value is going to be how he runs at the combine. Uh, I I don't know what to expect from that. I would guess he was never uh, he was never uh, one that you would con- confuse with an absolute he was, speed uh, merchant. Yeah, he was not. He was never going to be on the speed merchant team, all speed merchant team. But if he could run something around a four six four six five, that would be about where I would have him at. And that would probably be good for fifth, sixth round draft pick, I would guess. If he runs slower than that, uh, might be a little bit tough getting picked. I and, bet he's slower than that. Yeah, I kind of. I don't have a great. I don't have a great feel because, and also too. I mean, when you think about what he did at K State, a lot of his running was 
I mean, it, it's kind of we would run that the uh, we'd run the the read option, so to speak. Where he uh, doesn't where really he, get a full head of steam. Yeah, and it's not necessarily a, a straight line run. It's a, it's a one cut if there's a hole and then cut it up. Feel and then you got straight line. But in terms of just a, a straight straight dash here, like with, with the forty, I'm I'm interested to see what yeah, he does run. I I don't have a great feel. I would guess about a four four six seven. That's my guess. That's your prediction. Four six seven. All right. I, mean, I hope he, I hope he runs faster. I, I I wish nothing but the best for him. And also too, you know, um, he did put up thirty four reps today, matching his jersey number uh, on the bench press. Also matching Danny Morris's. Yeah, jersey that's number. right. Yeah. That's right. So shout out to Danny Morris there from Alex Barnes. How about that? How about that? A fellow Kansan. Fellow Kansan and a fellow uh, number thirty four. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, I'm guessing he's topping. I would be surprised if he ran under a four seven. Okay. But uh, maybe that's just bias and him being in a system that doesn't really showcase yeah, his also, speed all that much. Yeah. And also he might have gotten health. And maybe who knows how injuries. Exactly. He was. Exactly. Injuries uh, had, had some time to rest up and heal up, and I have no doubt that he's been training, uh, you know, extremely hard for this. I know with the thirty four uh, bench press reps, which I believe led all running backs to the combine. Uh, shows you he's been putting in some time, and he's always was a, a strong guy. His his, um, his work in the weight room has been well documented. So, uh, wishing nothing but the best for both him and uh, Dalton Risner, of course, is um, out there at the combine. So, wish them nothing but the best. Yep, I think it's safe to say that the streak will continue. Next year might be a little tough. The real streak. The real streak. Yeah. Oh, next year is not going to be tough. You got Scott France. Okay. He'll be the guy that gets drafted. Full stop. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyone else? Just looking ahead. Maybe Zuber. I don't know. Tough. Eh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, he needs to have a better year. Yeah. That much is that much is for sure. He's uh word on the street is he's getting healthy too right now. So you gotta you gotta get him healthy uh, first before we can. Uh, but before we talk about the uh, the 20, um, 20 NFL draft, uh, there's. Uh, Plenty of football to be played and plenty of time for some new guys to maybe come on the scene as well for K-State. That uh, I would love to see uh, one of the one of the linebackers with uh, Elijah Sullivan. Have a big year. would love to see that. Yeah. would love to see that. But, all right, well, that'll do it here for this week's edition of the Short Side Option. Drew, is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners before we, uh, before we wrap up this edition? Just that I love them. That I, that I love them. Wow. That's... Mate, that's is very that nice. One solitary tear. It, it might be. Yeah, it might be. That's that's very nice, and mm-hmm. I, I I echo that sentiment uh, to all those listening out there. Uh, thank you for listening to this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week to maybe another uh, little short turnaround, maybe a Sunday night re- uh, recording as K State goes on the road again for a big Monday uh, on the road uh, to. Texas Christian, big game uh, for K-State as they bring this regular season to a close and uh, try to stay atop the Big 12 uh, Conference. So that'll do it for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Thank you for listening, and go Cats! Go Cats!